Welcome to the Latin Wealth Podcast, a podcast dedicated to educating the Latino community about entrepreneurship, investing, and business. What's going on, Latin Wealth family? Welcome to another episode to the Latin Wealth Podcast. And today I'm extremely excited about this episode because not only do we have a new guest on the podcast today, we have a guest that's talking about something that we have not spoken about on the podcast before. And honestly, it's not very, it's not spoken about very often at all, to be honest. So we're going to get into that. It's going to be a, a fruitful conversation. I'm excited for this conversation, but a little bit about my guest. He is the host of the Ken Duetas podcast. He's a founder and owner of Pluar. He's a former tech executive. All right. Um, so welcome to the Latin Wells podcast, Pavel Martinez. How you doing, bro? How's your day going? Hey, what's up? I'm I'm happy to be here and excited to, to chop it up yeah. with you, man. For sure. For sure. Thank you. We appreciate you hopping on and giving us a piece of your time. So, uh, yeah, we want to just jump right into it. You know, the reason why I wanted to have you on the Latin Wells podcast is because we really wanted to highlight your work and the community that you're creating, right? You know, one of your guys' mission, well, really your guys' mission is redefining professionalism by empowering authenticity within the Latino community, uh, which is, it, it, that, that's a heavy statement right there, right? A lot, I know a lot of people can relate to that. So we're gonna break it down, but I wanna know where did this mission come from? Where did it birth from? Take me back to even when you were young, when your first experiences, man, take, walk us through how you got to this place now. Yeah, great question. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people often ask me is like, why did you even use the word professionalism? You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I think it really stems from whenever I got into corporate, I felt like I heard so many words, like generic ass words of like professionalism and things like executive presence to hide people's bias, their racism, their sexism, their ageism, all of those kind of things. But then I looked up the word and I was like, oh, shit, like people are using these words without even looking into what they mean. Mm -hmm. And when I broke it down, it was it was fascinating, right? Like even looking at the word professionalism is defined as a skill or competence expected of a professional, right? But mm -hmm. we've been trained to believe that it has a certain look to it, right? Mm -hmm. And that training for me didn't even start when I got into corporate. For me, to your point, it started back when I was a kid. Like my grandfather growing up, he was very conscious of his appearance. He would often tell me, do you see presidents and CEOs with the do-rags and beards and tattoos and, and earrings? You know what I mean? And I'd be like, oh, shit, nah. Right. So he would tell me to act and dress accordingly. Even when I got a little bit older and I went to high school, they had a similar idea. Like there were rules around like because I went to all boys Catholic high school and there were rules around like even the type of hairstyles you can have like they banned certain traditional quote unquote black hairstyles you couldn't have an afro couldn't have braids dreads any of that thing it couldn't be past a certain length and you couldn't have facial hair below your earlobe right so even mm -hmm. then it was this like training trying to drill into me around like what a quote unquote professional is supposed to look like mm -hmm. so around these times were you aware of this word professionalism were you aware of what's going on around you or were you just like kind of just going with the flow like this is normal this is common i'm supposed to do this what were your what was your thought process at that age 
Yeah. I mean, the whole time I thought that whether it's high school or whether it's my grandfather or family, mm-hmm. what they were trying to do was really protect me from people's negative perceptions. Right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up in public housing in low income area. And like what my grandfather was describing, right, when you when he says do rags, tattoos, dudes with earrings, um, he was describing essentially like what he was seeing around him and the mm-hmm. people associated to that weren't CEOs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Same thing with the high school, right? Like their association and like the, the, the dreads and the braids, like they associated those, that representation with something not good. Right. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to hide me from that and they wanted to essentially give me the best chance to, to succeed. Right. But when I got older, I realized like, but, why are we not instead of like having us change people of color mm-hmm. why aren't we educating the people that are giving this negative feedback to us why can't mm-hmm. we educate them on their bias versus having the onus always be on the individual to change absolutely i love that and it's it's crazy because the reason why i asked that question is you know as people of color and latinos we go through things in our life that we just we just think it's common we think it's normal but really there are traumas right there's traumas that Mm. we need to address there are things that are going on that are not okay and i love the fact that you said why do we need to change why can't you change the way you think and your perception about us exactly and i and i figured you know we could do both of it right but for sure i think we can start changing people's perceptions the more that we are ourselves, right? So I think even my grandfather, right, thinking back at it, maybe he's never seen a CEO that looks like me going into a press conference with big ass diamond earrings, a beard, (laughs) and a do-rag, you know what I mean? But But you see enough CEOs that look like that, and it'll change his perception. It'll change everyone's perception, right? Similar with women, right? Like, natural hair is something that comes up often right like mm-hmm. i think i don't think women will be told to straighten their hair as often if we had enough representation of women Facts. not doing it and being successful so Facts. it's really important to create that representation and that's what i'm trying to do for sure and that's one of the reasons why we started the latin wealth podcast because mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure when you think of latin wealth you think of a successful latino probably does not look like me right and i'm not saying that uh, i'm yeah. super successful and whatnot but he probably does not talk like me probably doesn't look like me and probably hasn't came from where i came from right and so we want to create that representation on this podcast to show people like yo he's made it he's came from where i came from he looks how i look and he's successful you know why not yeah. me why can't i do it right and so that's obviously the thing that um your your grandfather was missing even some people in my family were missing as well. Like there's a certain perception of what success looks like to them. So um, yeah, I I love that. But uh, walk me through it, man. You, you, you're, uh, you're, you're out of high school. Um, Did you go to college? How talk to me about your career path and whatnot? Yeah. I mean, I was really fortunate that I didn't have a lot of pressure necessarily growing up from my family. And that that's like a rare situation because I feel like most for sure families they try to push their children to go into certain career fields where it comes to like you know lawyer doctor you know those traditional things but it's interesting like 
I didn't need any of that pressure because I already put that pressure on myself. Mm. So like I had the pressure there, but it was all me telling myself that I had to make a certain amount of money. No one told me like, you better study this or you better do that. I just saw my environment growing up. Mm. So for perspective, I grew up in, in New York City in the on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And for those people that don't know, the Upper West Side is one of the wealthiest zip codes in the U.S., Mm-hmm. But I grew up in the projects. So imagine growing up in like a building, 18 story building and every single floor, like people that look like you in poverty, struggling, you know what I mean? And then you go outside, though, and no lie down the street from me, Macaulay Culkin lived, the dude from Home Alone. Mm-hmm. So I literally walk outside my door and I'm just like, oh, shit, like it's just my building. Everyone around me got money. You know what I mean? So like for me, that put the pressure on me on, on my side to be like, yo, I got to I got to make money so I can get out of here and still live in the Upper West Side, just not in this fucking building. Real quick, I, I love that. Not to not to cut you off. I want to interject. I love that perspective because I feel like I grew up the same way. Like we grew up in environments where we see wrong all around us and it's easy for us to say, OK, this is normal. Once again, this is the right thing for me to do. So I'm going to continue doing what everybody else is doing. But for us to have that discernment to be like, no, this isn't right. This isn't what I want for my future. Thinking 5, 10, 20 years down the line, it, it's a powerful thing. And it's not something to take lightly because that shift in your mindset, allow yourself to change, um, hopefully a lot in your family and what to come. Like, right, you, you want to probably take your family out of those projects and whatnot. And you want better for the next generation. So yeah. I love that perspective. You know, that's not something to to just tap around right <laughs> just walk past around uh, i love that yeah no nah, i appreciate that man but yeah no nah, it definitely impacted sort of like every decision i've, I've made up to this point and, and kind of still does but yeah. you know i went to school for economics and the idea for me was i just i didn't know what i wanted to do growing up i just knew i wanted mm-hmm. to make as much money as possible and the original idea for me was like i'm gonna go into business i didn't know what business meant mm-hmm. for me I, I was like, oh, I'm going to go into investment banking. I'm going to go into finance. And that's what I tried to start to do. And, and economics was a way to, to get me into that. But I eventually ended up in tech, luckily. And sort of that's where my career continued, thanks to just like internships when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you've had roles at some pretty significant companies like Facebook, TikTok recently. Um, and if you don't mind me sharing, I know you've been out really spoken about it about how much your salary was and whatnot um talk to me why you transitioned out of the corporate world what were some of the decisions that went into that um and you know i mean a lot of people looking at maybe your situation they're like yo what are you doing like you're making all this money you have it good uh why why would you want to leave like why would you want to transition out of there a lot of people would dream to make what you're making um let us know you know what that thought process was bro so such a great question and uh you know to to provide perspective from people i think it's yep, important yep. to like highlight like what life was like like mm-hmm. i was chilling bro like <laughs> you know money was good like and i can get into this later if you want but i think like total package at tiktok for the first year, I was probably making like 300K with like all in, not, not even including stock, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about where I grew up, I finally got to the point, even before TikTok, even when I was working at Facebook, like I was paying all of my mom's bills. 
mm. like rent, car payment, insurance, like you name it. Like I was on a phone bill, everything. Right. Mm. So it wasn't easy to step away from that, right. To step away from that job security and to step away from that. Like, like I made it feeling not only for me, but for my mom, mm-hmm. it was a really difficult decision, but even within the money, I realized like, yo, fulfillment is way deeper than money, man. Like Fact. I could make money doing anything. Like I could start OnlyFans and well, maybe, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, mean <hey. laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think my OnlyFans would do that well, but I'm just saying like, you can make money doing anything. Right. Anything. Um, yeah, I, heard I realized that like, what I was doing on the side as a side project and like a hobby was actually giving me the fulfillment that I needed. Like one example was that when I was at TikTok, I made a, I did a post on LinkedIn where I shared my salary transparently. Right. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was one of those moments that joint went viral in like a week, had like 3 million views. And wow. it wasn't about the number of views, but it was more so about the DMS that I got. And I started realizing like, Oh shit, this representation is really important. Like one of the most powerful DMs I got was this Dominican dude, um, probably like in his early 20s was like, yo, I didn't know someone that looked like me mm. could make that much money. There it is. And I was like, oh That's shit, it. I got I got to keep doing this because this is making more of an impact than me selling some million dollar deal to, to a company like Samsung. Like Samsung's not going to go out of business. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But- my community could continue suffering if it's not for mm. people like me doing this type of work. Mm. Man, I love that. I love that. So walk us through that transition, right? Um, talk to us about some of the things that were going on at work and talk to us some of the, through the things that were like the moments that you're like, yo, this, this is it. I'm, I'm letting go. I'm transitioning out of here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a combination of, Lural starting to do well mm-hmm. and then things at work not going as well not necessarily of my performance not going well but more so I started to get questioned like why am I doing certain things outside of work and I felt like people tried to censor me and I think that it. example of me sharing my salary transparently was one of those examples, right? If you think about it, I didn't share anything about like any company secrets or about my experience working at TikTok in a negative way. I didn't share any of that, right? What I shared at the time was essentially like my W-2s, right? I just put, this is my base salary. This is my bonus. This is my signing bonus. These are, I didn't even put, I didn't even put my stock when I originally made the post, right? But I started getting questions like, why couldn't you handle this internally? Mm. Why did you do this? Um, Is it really necessary to do that publicly? Um, And just overall start to question like, do you like my judgment in making that sort of post? Right. Mm. And what I tried to explain to executives there was I did this for Latina Equal Pay Day. I did this to raise awareness that Mm. salary transparency is the reason why we are not getting paid equally. Like this post, although I work at TikTok, has nothing to do with TikTok. Right. It's it's an issue that is impacting men and women and however you identify everywhere, right? For but sure. I essentially was told like, don't do that again and definitely don't talk to press about it. And I was kind of offended. I was taken back. I was like, you can't control 
my own social media. Mm-hmm. So certain things like that started happening around feeling like people were trying to censor me and the content that I put out there and minimizing the impact that I was having outside of my day-to-day job. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, something that I've heard you talk about a lot. And honestly, I haven't even heard this term before. I, like I brought it up to my wife and she's like, yeah, that, that's the thing. The term code switching. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me more about that, man, your experience with it. Cause after I dove into it, I'm like, damn, like I, I was one of them people. Like talk <laughs> to me about it. Yeah. Well, if you look at data, which is like fascinating, every time I, I mention this is they say 76% of Latinos at work suppress mm-hmm. parts of their identities. That's a fact. That's a three out of every four of us, Yeah. which is crazy. So like me, you, your wife and some other random person, three out of four of us have done it before. For sure. For sure. And when you think about our, our identity and like what we're suppressing, it could be anything, right? It could be how we speak, could be how we dress, could be, you know, if someone asks, a, asks us a personal question, we'll, we'll come up with a lie. Um, typically, mm-hmm. code switching is referred to as like, <laughs> you know, like putting on your quote unquote white voice, you know? Yeah, yeah. Instead, exactly. instead of being like, yo, what's good? You know, people are like, hey, uh, top of the morning, sir. How are you? <laughs> you know, it's it's typically referenced in like a comical way like that. But I think it goes well beyond that. And for me. I went to the extent of like dedicating time out of my days during my, during my week to like study white popular American culture. Right. And what I try to tell people is like, there's nothing wrong with expanding your preferences. For example, like I love Seinfeld. I love the office. Right. But that's me testing something, seeing if I like it and then deciding if I like it or not and continuing. Right. But I think we get into the trap of continuing to watch and dedicate time to something that we don't care about just for the purpose of feeling accepted Mm. and that's when we get into trouble like we waste time valuable time that we could be doing other things like even our job but instead we do things to avoid the racism like microaggression because we're scared to say things like oh yeah i watch insecure Mm. no i don't watch riverdale Mm -hmm. yeah yeah wow um I mean, and it, for me, it's like, it's, we spend so much time learning about another culture, but we lose track of who we are as people, right? Exactly. Becomes, it, for me, I know when I heard that term, I was like, man, it was so draining for me, right? It was, it was something that was draining me, not being myself. Um, crazy. You said microaggression. What, what do you mean by that term? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's another word that, that gets thrown out there a lot. (laughs) It's kind of like a subtle, I don't know the official definition, but it feels like a subtle, like a jab. Like if racism is like a a uppercut or like a right hook, that's going to knock you out. Mm. Microaggressions is kind of like a jab. It's kind of like a little poke around Mm. like, Hey, this, I'm not fully racist, but what I'm saying is kind of racist. You know what I mean? Like I'll give you an example. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm giving a presentation and someone comes up to me afterwards and says like, oh my God, like, yo, like you're really well-spoken. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, What's typically that? you would say like, oh, that's a compliment. Wow. Thank you. I'm well-spoken, but you got to give, you got to think deeper into like, wait, did you not expect someone that looks like me to be well-spoken? 
Like, why are you, why are you so surprised, bro? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. or, I, and this is something that's happened to me too, besides being well-spoken and hearing that, um, I gave a rough draft of a presentation to a colleague and somebody was like, oh, that, can, can we fix those slides? Those slides look ghetto. Mm. I'm like, mm. out of all words, that's what you decided to use? Because you, when you use someone else's PowerPoint, you didn't call it ghetto. You called it a rough draft. But for my mm. shit, you call it ghetto. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's certain things that you're like, wait, what do you really mean by that? And it sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I have to cut you off. Do you think on their end it's unintentional or is it intentional? I like to believe that many times it's unintentional. Mm-hmm. Like even the well-spoken comment, for example, I don't think there's bad intent in that. Right. Right. But. And that's why we need to educate people and have these conversations. Right. Like. I don't think like many times when people say that to me, even like my manager that told me that at the time, like, I don't think she's racist at all, even like knowing her for mad long. But like that surprise is something that we need to educate people on. You know what I mean? Like, why are you so surprised? Right. And I think we need to admit that we're biased. Mm -hmm. We're literally all of us are biased, man. Like, and that's a scary thing to admit. But I tell people like, even I'm biased. Even me, the, the dude that's talking about professionalism and redefining it, I'm biased. Like when I go into a cafe, like I typically like my baristas to look homeless. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I if they that. don't look homeless, I'm like, damn, is this coffee going to be good? Is it going to be good? Yeah. 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 But what I do, though, and what many people don't do is that. Let's assume that barista looks like a Wall Street broker, Right. I'm going to be like, damn, you know what? I right, fuck it. I'm going to give this person a chance mm-hmm. to make the coffee. And then I'm going to taste the coffee, right? And in me tasting the coffee, that's me giving me an opportunity to that barista to change my perception of what a barista is supposed mm-hmm. to look like. Mm-hmm. Because originally I'm like, damn, if they don't look homeless, nah, this coffee's not going to be that good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Man, that's crazy. Because um, it just reminded me of a situation that happened to me at one of my recent roles. It was like... Mm-hmm the first team meeting that I was there, right? And I felt like they hired me for diversity because I was the only person of color there, right? So we're all on the Zoom call and they're like, okay, uh, we're trying to get to know each other, whatnot. Give us one of your most recent accomplishments and give us one of your most embarrassing moments. So we all say something, there's a lady there. She says her accomplishment and then she says something like, well, you know, I've had a lot of embarrassing moments typically it's around me saying something racist um i have so many moments should should i say it and everybody's like no 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 you don't you don't need to say it but it, it's funny the reason why i bring that up is because again i think unintentionally she just did not know uh especially with me being there and me being a new person um it, it probably is now it's not accepted but it's just it was really interesting for me to to see that perspective right and just just hear that from her Yo, I wish I wish you did say it because I kind of want to hear him now. Uh, man, because she said some other things before, like uh, she, she made some comments like, oh, yeah, just Chris, just keep on killing it and just uh, whip it in the back. Like, <laughs> oh, that who I've never heard that before. I've never heard of it. Though. I've never heard of it either, but I can have an idea where it came from. And I know oh. you probably shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> Whip it I'm just, the- yeah yeah man it's just like 
again, I, I, I honestly believe, and it's funny because somebody reached out to me and like privately and on our private messages, they're like, Hey, I'm sorry that you had experienced that and go through that. We're going to talk to so-and-so about that comment. Make sure it doesn't happen again. I didn't reach out to, to anybody or say anything. I just like, wow. Uh, but someone reached out to me and was like, yo, we, we want to make this right. Make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, and I'm like, wow, I mean, that's crazy. Crazy. See, that's that's dope, though. The fact that yeah. someone even yeah. reached out to you. Yeah, they they noticed it as well, because some people don't even pick up on that stuff. They're like, oh, for sure. That's for funny. Sure. And then they just keep using it. So that that's that sounds like it's a good culture, at least of people like sure. acknowledging it and, and trying to do something about it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I know um, something that you mentioned in one of your interviews, you said that there was a point that you would cringe inside that the fact that you couldn't speak your mind on some of the things that were happening around you because you were fearful of losing your opportunity and losing your job. Man, what's, you know, give some advice to some people out there that are in that situation that may be feeling like that. And, and, you know, it's again, it's draining. It's uncomfortable when you're acting and you're not being yourself and you got the white voice all the time and it, it affects yeah. you. Right. Cause yeah. you're, you're like that throughout the whole day, you're putting on a mask and it drains you. You got to come home to your family and you got to, you know, uh, it, 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 it can affect your whole family to be honest. I know it has for me as well. So what would be some advice that you would give people out there that are dealing with that? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, yeah, I'm just thinking about it and, and the emotion that's coming up is just like sad because, mm -hmm. you know, I used to go through it. And to your point, it's exhausting, right? For sure. For sure. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, go for it. I'm, I'm sorry. I just had to say like, so just just to like the first the last role that I had, man, um, it was a difficult transition for me because I was going from essentially entrepreneurship to, cor to corporate and I mm. haven't it was really my first corporate job. Oh, and wow. The first day on the job, man, like after my shift, I was so drained and exhausted. I was just like, bro, what the heck did I just go through? And it was so bad that my mom called me like a couple hours later. She's like, yo, son, how was your day? How was your first day at work? I was like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> like the tone that I said it in, the attitude I said it in at the time probably wasn't the best, but that just goes to show you how it can affect people right yeah. by you not being yourself it can affect the people around you um mm -hmm. it can it could affect my wife like now i don't yeah. have energy to hang out with you after now i don't have energy to take care of myself you know as latinos we work so hard to get in these these high paying jobs these high roles so we can take care of our families and we get there and we're like damn now i gotta act now i gotta be somebody else you know what i'm saying Oh, I, I feel you. A <laughs> you thousand, do, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's why you created the platform. <laughs> <laughs> a thousand, a thousand percent, man. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's deep and and it's sad because I'm thinking about even my own experience, and yeah. I, I just know a lot of people resonate with the experience that you're talking about. But I, you know, the most important thing that I think you mentioned was like, well, one is exhausting, but two, like it's a time commitment that you're wasting in trying to be somebody else, right? When people tell you to be your authentic self, people typically are like, people typically think it means like, oh, throwing on a t-shirt and like throwing in some, you know, you don't get, you don't have to shave or do your hair. Like, no, it goes so much deeper than that. Like for me, like I would even, 
in my head, I would come up with like a script, kind of like a play. Mm-hmm. I would like, I'll be like, oh, on Monday, they're going to ask me how my weekend was. I'm going to say this isn't that. They're going to reply. They're going to ask me what I had for brunch. I'm going to say that. Oh, uh, what if they ask me what shows I'm into? Oh, well, I have to binge watch mm-hmm. these shows because if they ask me that, it, it was it was like so detailed. Like I was ready for any question and conversation. And it took away from the work that I should have been doing. Right. And in every episode that I've done, and I've done like 75 episodes, by the end of this year, I'll probably get to 100. Mm-hmm. There's a common theme, right? Everyone starts faking it at some point, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually they realize it's a waste of time. They realize that their career started taking off when they started being themselves because they have so much more time to dedicate to what they love, right? So mm-hmm. if you know that eventually you're going to stop, like, why wait? Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't you want to start that now? Yeah. If you know you're going to stop in your 40s, wouldn't you want to start in your 20s? Like, trust me, your career is going to start taking off. And I've done that. And I know based on research, but on all the conversations that I've had, but I know just based on my own experience. Like when I got to Facebook, I almost got fired because I wasn't doing well because I was mm-hmm. code switching so much as I was faking it. I was dedicating time to faking it. When I stopped dedicating time to faking it and I, and I used that time to actually do my job, I was doing well. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. And I, I don't like I want to say this to the audience. We're not having this conversation because we feel like you should jump ship from your career and your job and just, mm-hmm. you know, just go into this world and do whatever you want. I, I don't know if that's the best move for each or the yeah. best advice for each individual person. But we're having this conversation because we want you to be the best you. We want you to be an authentic you. And we feel like when you're authentic to yourself and who you are, then you can give more to the world, then you can serve more, then you could um, perform better at work. Thus, Mm -hmm. you know, you having more opportunities, right, to make more money or whatever your goal is. Um, That's the conversation that we're we're trying to have here. And um, I just want to put that out there. I know people, it's big right now, like job shaming is big, like, yo, just just quit your job, entrepreneurship, jump into entrepreneurship. And I don't necessarily recommend that to everybody because it, it's scary out there, uh, especially when you don't have a plan. But we want you to be your full, authentic self. And we want you to have enough energy to take care of yourself, invest, take care of your family and whatnot. That's what we're uh, hopefully trying to get across as well. Um, but I would love for you to talk about your podcast and your platform, man. Um, talk about some of the impact that you guys are having out there. And what do you guys focus on? Yeah, the podcast is going really well. And I think the thing that sets us apart is is really the mission around redefining professionalism. For so long, I think a lot of these experiences and stories, they've either gone untold because we're kind of like ashamed to tell people about them. You know what I mean? Like even our families, right? Like we get these cool jobs and (laughs) imagine telling your family like, yo, uh, yeah, you know, it's not going well. Like I'm I'm scared to tell them about my weekend. Mom's going to be like, what the fuck do you know what I had to go through when I was young? Like that's, that's the least of your problems. Are you kidding me? Right. 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 Right? Or even things like microaggressions and racism, like we're scared to share those experiences. And those often get told anonymously on places like Glassdoor because Mm -hmm. we're scared of even calling some of our coworkers out the retaliation potentially around that. Right. So for me, the podcast is one of the first times that I've actually seen. And many people are telling me like, 
wow, I never, I've never heard some of these stories being spoken about in a public way like that. So mm-hmm. because of some of those stories and experiences, like it's, it's been going really well. I mean, you've got over like 200 plus five-star reviews where we're starting to monetize in the form of ads, mm-hmm. but, and, and that's a question that I get often is kind of like, how do you monetize your platform? For sure. And you'd be surprised that advertising and even like selling merch and all of those things, like I barely make money from that. Like 90% of my revenue is probably going to come from speaking engagements. Mm-hmm. So because of the nature of some of these conversations, think about like these stories haven't been told before companies and the HR teams and managers are like thirsty to learn from us because I have these insights that again, people haven't necessarily shared. So they want to learn like, well, how can I feel, how can I make people feel more inclusive, included? How can I create a better work environment? How can I avoid the situations that even you're talking about on that, like getting to know you call, right? So I've been booked by companies like Salesforce and, and Google and um, Univision to like go into their offices virtually or in person and help them make their employees feel more safe being their, themselves at work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How does that make you feel? The fact that, you know, you're getting booked to come out and speak to these people and you're essentially empowering them to, to be yourself. How does that make you feel? Bro, it's, it's so empowering, gratifying. And it's honestly, it's not even about the money that's coming in. It's more so about the messages that I get after. Like, mm-hmm. yo, even within this company where people are paying you to speak, I don't feel safe being myself. And because of you, I now feel a little bit more safe doing that. And beyond even the individual impact, like people will invite their managers and be like, yo, I can't explain what I'm going through, but can you please attend this event? Because I want you to listen to his experience and leaving that experience. They're like, now my manager gets it. Mm-hmm. So it is really powerful stuff. And, and I'm really proud of the work that we're doing. I'm, but overall, I'm also just like excited for what's to come. Yeah, for sure. In some of those speeches and those uh, book speaking engagements, what are like a couple topics that are like mandatory that you have to speak on? Like, yo, this is this is going to be in my speech. This is what I'm going to be talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, funny enough, I actually start the conversation with like a quick bias exercise, and I do it mm-hmm. with uh, with celebrities. And I ask the question like imagine the celebrity or this musician isn't necessarily them. Imagine they're just they come into work as a salesperson on your team. Like, mm-hmm. would you consider this unprofessional? And I start off with Katy Perry, right? With her pink hair. And for me, with it being the first thing that we talk about, you really start to make people feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. But you start making them realize that like, no, we need to unlearn just as much as white people need to unlearn. Like there's this, there's this idea that like only white people need bias training. I'm like, couldn't be further from the truth because you would be surprised that by the time I get to from Katy Perry and I move into Quavo, Mm. people say that they wouldn't hire Quavo because of how he looks. People, Mm. our community. Wow. Like, tell me that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So how do we expect other people to accept us if we don't even accept ourselves? Mm. That's crazy. No, I mean, that's that's part of some of the history as well. Like 
mm-hmm. in the Caribbean, you know, Puerto Rico, Cuba, Dominican Republic, they will look at whiteness as uh, a way of, of success, wealth, right? Yeah. Um, man, that, that's crazy. That's crazy. But if you think about it too, if you think about it too, which I, which I think is powerful is like, think about the audience that that are in these rooms and like our perception doesn't just have an impact on us, has an impact on people around us. Right. So Mm -hmm. if you imagine in the audience, it's not only employees, but these employees are also mothers, their Mm -hmm. fathers, their uncles, their aunts, they have other people that they are influencing with their own bias right Mm -hmm. so if somebody looks at Quavo and says like oh his dreads are unprofessional right they're going to teach those same things down to the next generation and that's how the cycle continues continues yeah like it 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 can stop with us yet it continues with us because we are scared to acknowledge the bias that we have and it, mm. i get into like extreme examples what some people will call extreme because people can't even fathom it and like listen i'm not encouraging people to get a face tattoo i don't have a face tattoo but when i ask people like are face tattoos unprofessional a lot of people say yeah but you got <laughs> you got to think about the definition it's like again definition. what what yeah. what is what about a face tattoo gives you the indication that Quavo doesn't have the skills or competence needed to be an engineer, salesperson, et cetera, right? Exactly. Nothing, but it's because of our experience. Like, listen, I grew up in the hood. Like, I understand for sure what people with face tattoos are typically associated with, but that's based on my experience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That doesn't no, make it right. It's just based on my experience. No, for sure. Could you give that um, the, the statistic about the Yankees? where they have this rule or this this thing where you can't have facial hair i mean that reminds me of another situation that i went through but talk about that i mean that's that's just crazy just right in our face i didn't even notice it i didn't even realize it was a rule but now that i heard it from me i was like man it's it, if you look at all the yankee but go ahead and let the people know what what it is exactly yeah well it's funny too because all the yankee players well some of them they grow beards in the off season so you can look up like CC Sabathia, Aaron Judge, a yeah. bunch of them. Robinson Cano got a nice beard uh, in the offseason. But during the season, they're not allowed to have facial hair. In fact, they're also not allowed to have um, like what I would call traditionally black hairstyles, like the, you know, dreads, braids, yeah. afros. You can't have your hair past a certain length. And it's all around this idea of what a professional, professional looks like. Yeah right? It's the only team in baseball that does that. And if you think about like, oh, but they're the Yankees, they get paid millions of dollars, like it's not a big deal. Well, you got to think about who's looking at that stuff, though, like, Mm -hmm. kids are growing up and saying like, oh, well, I if I want to be Yankee, I need to give up a part of myself Mm -hmm. to be that. And this is the thing about baseball players too. like, we often like, are willing to sell ourselves out for money. Mm, yeah. right for the right price it's like for the right price how much will we have to pay you to, to to cut your dreads off right and people may not think it's a big deal but for many people that's one way of how they express themselves mm-hmm. no. and the craziest part about all of this is that there's a there's a law in new york that prevents companies from discriminating based on hairstyle it's called mm-hmm. the crown act yet 
private institutions could do and could get away with it because it's a private institution, right? And it's not just the Yankees, like financial firms still do that stuff. I went to high school, they still had that same policy. Um, but yeah, a lot of people don't know about it because we don't even second guess it. Mm. And even with these policies into place, like who, I mean, these people are probably still going to judge if they wanted to, right? Um, how, what, what advice would you give people out there that are trying to, you know, that, that, that trying to get around that, I guess is what I'm trying to say, right? Like, man, I feel like my, my appearance is going to prevent me from getting this job, even though it may be, it may be a law, it may be a law that it, it's not supposed to, but what would you, advice did you give people out there that are feeling like that? Yeah, well, I think so many of us have been like hiding who we are for so long that, you know, we don't even know who we are, right? Mm. And I think what you need to do is is really take it in steps. Like, mm -hmm. don't just one day, you know, over the weekend, you get a full body tattoo, you turn your hair purple, you get piercings, you, you do all, every, like literally everything at once. Like, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is like, even when you look at the word authenticity, it's a buzzword that we often don't define for ourselves. And what I found is the first question that I ask in every episode, and not once has someone said the same thing, which mm -hmm. tells me that we all have a different definition of it, right? For sure. And it's all typically based to an insecurity that we have from our childhood. Mm -hmm. So somebody may say like, oh, well, my authentic, my most authentic self is when I feel powerful enough to like not censor myself. And maybe that goes back to childhood trauma where like your mom told you not to be, not to speak unless spoken to kind of shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think we need to really think about like, well, what is my authentic self? What does it look like? What does it sound like? Um, and then start kind of like turning things on one by one. Maybe you start, I'm, I'm making this up, but like not shaving. Sure. And then seeing what that reaction is like at work. Mm -hmm. And then by you not doing everything at once, you can start to realize how you're being perceived by other people and then start to work on, okay, well, now that I am maybe receiving microaggressions and maybe now that I'm getting certain comments, okay, how do I respond to those comments? Right. Mm -hmm. And like you start building those soft skills and confidence in order to like speak up for yourself about one specific thing versus everything all at once. And slowly and slowly you'll start building more confidence and start like unraveling other parts maybe the next part is like you know what next time someone asks me what I, what I did over the weekend i'm not gonna lie i'm actually gonna tell them i was popping bottles of smoking hookah not that there's you know not that everyone does that but i'm just saying that for me that was the thing that i hit mm. and um but overall overall on top of everything you gotta be like really fucking good at your job mm. that's the number one thing because even when you get those microaggressions for like growing your beard out or talking about your weekend and people be like, oh, you shouldn't talk about that. It's unprofessional. You could be like, do, do you see the the numbers that I'm driving? I'm killing yeah, it. I'm, I'm so like, up. yeah, like what is that? What is me doing this insert part that you're about who you are have to do with me doing well at my job? Because you can't they can't take that away from you. Mm. Yeah. Powerful advice. I love it. I love it. Um, man, good stuff. We can start wrapping this thing up. You know, one of the other questions I wanted to ask you is what is your vision for this mission and this community that you're building, right? Like, let's just say, I don't want to ask you, where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? I want to ask you, like, in the next 10 years, what type of impact do you see yourself having 
on the community, on the Latino community? Uh, what do you see? Yeah, so I think so right now, I think we're in an interesting place for the company where we are pivoting into being an educational technology company. So right now, if you look at the website, it's, you know, it looks like a lifestyle brand. Even if you think about the podcast, it's a media company. What I've been doing with the podcast is really kind of like research and using it as a proof point to show mm. people that like, hey, this is a problem. Not only that, but there's a solution. So after every episode, the last question I always ask is like, well, what's one thing that continues to inspire you to be your authentic self? And going into it, the theory was like, oh, it's got to be something like tangible, right? Like people are inspired to be themselves when they have their favorite earrings or they have their favorite shirt on or they some sort of clothing item. That's why I launched the, 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 the merch because I thought it was that. But the more people are telling me, it's like, no, 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 it's not that. It's representation. It's like seeing other people being themselves and or even the next generation and inspiring them to be themselves. Right. So I'm realizing that like, oh, shit it's not clothes. So maybe I need to stop allocating time as much time to that. But I'm also realizing like all of the things that I'm talking about, it's also educating people, right? So I need to like pivot into from lifestyle brand to education platform and scaling that through technology. So I think eventually we'll be an educational technology company instead of a lifestyle brand that we are today. Mm, that's powerful. That's really powerful. Um, Man, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we go? Anything else that you feel like is important that the audience needs to hear about? Um, let me know. Talk to me. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I just want to say I appreciate this platform. Yeah. Um, yeah. The representation that you're creating and literally just highlighting all of these stories, experiences of people that look like us is dope and it's powerful, man. So I, I just sure. appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, the thing I'll leave people with is like, just like if you forget anything of this conversation like if you remember just one thing remember the definition of professionalism mm. if you look up the definition it's the skill or competence expected of a professional it has nothing to do with how you look right mm. so if someone ever tells you that you look unprofessional say the definition and then ask them what about me gives you the indication that i that i don't have the skills or competence typically what's going to happen is going to be awkward silence Mm -hmm. And then their whatever they say in their explanation is typically them just showing that they're biased. Mm -hmm. You can. OK, so just remember that mm -hmm. you can educate them on their bias by pointing them to platforms like us, like Blue Dot, like the podcast and say, like, you know, these are resources that you can access yeah. to to, yeah. to unlearn some of those things. Um, but, yeah, remember that definition. It's, it's really important. Powerful. I love it. Man, thank you for your time and your energy. Thank you for showing up here. We really, really appreciate it. Much needed conversation. Like I said, this is not something that we've spoken about. And I love that you are, are doing everything in your power to continue to push these conversations and narratives. Uh, where can people reach out to you if they want to contact you, listen to your podcast, go ahead and plug everything. And we're going to leave links to everything in the description of this podcast so you can check out as well. Yeah, so the podcast is called Quien Tu Eres, and it's available everywhere, including Spotify, Apple, and now all the episodes are available on YouTube as well. As far as social media, it's everything at Plural, which is P-L-U-R-A-W-L. So looking forward to connecting with y'all. 
for sure for sure who created your uh podcast cover art it's it's absolutely amazing thanks thanks uh it's this is this artist which i could link to as well um oh uh, her name is Fenacia fabre but okay. it was inspired by wolf of wall street i don't remember i don't know if you remember the cover art for it i gotta check it out again now actually i, now I gotta i gotta check it out now i'm not gonna say i know That's yeah yeah but it's, it's leonardo dicaprio is like in the middle and it's surrounded oh, yeah, by like yeah, 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 yeah. people in the background like having a party so instead yes. of wolf of wall street i put el tigre de wall street I was like, if I was in Wall Street, because I originally wanted to go into investment banking, right? Like my version of a wolf of Wolf of Wall Street would have been the salsa band playing in the background, people dancing, like mm. me with my beard, and you know, a very like Latino version of that. And El Tigre is just like the most Dominican thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely connect me with her because I'm looking to um, do something new with our cover art as well. And I think yours is is awesome. It's beautiful. Thank you. What's funny is like it wasn't even done for the podcast. Like it was done really? just to do the El Tigre Wall Street design, which you get, which people can buy on the website, okay. Okay. like as a canvas. I just like cut off El Tigre the Wall Street and I just made it the cover art. You just made it your own, huh? Man, yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. Love it. Love it. Uh, with that being said, thank you once again for being on the podcast. Make sure you guys go ahead and check out everything that he just listed, and we'll put it in the description of this podcast. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Latin Wealth on Instagram. Please share this podcast episode with one of your friends or family members that needs to hear this. And trust me, there's a lot of people that need to hear this conversation. With that being said, we'll catch you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>